Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I was doing the uh, the little freestyle of practice thing. Yeah. And, uh, well, actually, it was a scrimmage, and I had me come set a screen for LeBron. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> rolled to the basket, so alley-oop, and I caught it. And I <laughs> paused it, went to instant replay, and it recorded on my phone and sent it to him. I said, all season. <laughs> and, <laughs> what did he say? And he was like, he was like, can't say what he said. Yeah. Him, but, you <laughs> well, know, he was very excited. He was you very get excited. the picture, yeah. <laughs> he was very excited. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the phrase, that's all, folks, is ironically not an ending statement, but for the Lakers and Anthony Davis, it is quite literally one that signals the beginning. So screw any what-it-do, fun guy, baby, kawaii catchphrase you've heard up until now, and get on board all season with anything and everything Anthony Davis has to say because the next generation of Lakers championship basketball is legitimately here with a king and his brow and some dude named Kaycock. So, you know, watch out. Uh, anyways, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and tonight I'm not joined by my typical co-hosts, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. They are both very busy this week, and as I mentioned before, Tommy's right smack dab in the middle of preparing for his wedding this weekend, so congratulations to him. But tonight, I'm joined once again, for the third time, by my best friend, McDonald's mogul and Lakers season ticket holder for the last 31 years, Mr. Andy Chang. Andy, welcome back to the show. Happy belated birthday to your son, Nolan. Sengo Chuka Hamnida. And uh, congratulations on uh, moving into a new house. Thank you. Thank you. It's great being on again. It's been a while. I think the last time was actually around this time last year, right? Um, but it's, everything's going well. Thank you for the uh, belated birthday wishes. It was a fun, fun weekend full of stress and running around. But uh, and in there, and what better way to decompress than by talking to you about the Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nolan turned two, right? Yep. 
two years old. Where was where was he running around stressfully and with tons of fun? Well, we went to Legoland down in San Diego. That was actually not too bad. Um, and then we took him to the beach, and that's where it kind of. Uh, Kind of got crazy. <laughs> Went haywire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, again, like I mentioned, you are a McDonald's mogul. What's the hot new seasonal item <laughs> on the McDonald's menu this summer? Well, right now, uh, we're selling chicken biscuits and chicken McGriddles for breakfast. What? Yes. Two oh, for $3. Quite the value deal. So I'd urge all of your listeners to drop on by to one of the McDonald's, preferably in Gardena or Torrance and uh, <laughs> enjoy your chicken biscuits and chicken McGriddles. All right, there you go. Tonight we are unofficially sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> also, this podcast episode is brought to you by the Lineups Podcast Network. Check out lineups.com. All right, tonight we're talking about Anthony Davis's intro presser, his first presser as an official member of the Los Angeles Lakers, which is pretty crazy, and just what stood out to us. Uh, we'll also talk briefly about where we think the Lakers stack up in the Western Conference and the rest of the league, and also give our updated thoughts on the Lakers' non-Kawhi Plan B roster moves that they've reconfigured and assembled this season, um, and how this year, as opposed to last year, they may still be zigging while the rest of the league is zagging, but they may actually be doing it right this time. Maybe? We'll see. <laughs> um, but first, before we get into everything, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many jersey number swaps we'll keep having to endure amongst LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Jared Dudley for the next five years, just to keep the league and Lakers fans on their toes. They'll keep flip-flopping jersey numbers and... Uh, swapping them to the point where soon Nike will just have to sell blank LeBron and 80 jerseys that have uh, Tony Stark tech that allows you to project whatever new number <laughs> they're wearing that season on the front and back. So if you think that whacktastic reality is funny and amusing, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Andy, are you going to buy a number three Anthony Davis jersey knowing that it's it has a limited lifespan? Or do you think it could be a collector's item because of that? You know, funny you ask. Um, I... I bought a Lonzo Ball jersey for Nolan, my son, last year, uh-huh. and I bought it using Jersey Assurance. So for those of you who don't know, with Jersey <laughs> Assurance, uh, you can swap the jersey if that player is traded. Uh, what? And it, I have never heard yeah, of this before. So it was all done to encourage people to you know buy jerseys because the mon- number one reason why people don't buy jerseys is because people get traded and you know the relevance isn't there but right. um, with your Amex card you can extend <laughs> your 90 day jersey swap assurance to one full year so I took advantage wow. of that obviously with Lonzo Ball getting traded I was able to swap my jersey free of charge no shipping or return charges either and so i'm getting a kobe bryant jersey (laughs) 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 because i because like you said that anthony jersey davis or anthony davis jersey will only last you know a year and uh lebron's probably gonna last a year too so the the one that makes sense is you know the the long-lasting one in, in kobe so yep kobe the black mamba 
is everlasting. <laughs> and also, we are brought to you by Amex and Jersey Assurance. <laughs> I mean, you guys are learning a lot today. That is actually very useful info. I would actually advise people to buy the Anthony Davis number three jersey because you never know what will happen. It'll be a blip in the history books, but it'll be like the Michael Jordan number 45 jersey, right? It could actually be a unique collector's item, so you never know. Yeah. Um, and if we somehow randomly win the championship in the lone year that Anthony Davis, is, Anthony Davis wears number three, that could be an even more specialer item. So mm-hmm. think about doing that or just also get jersey assurance. <laughs> um <laughs> So yes, please rate and review us on iTunes for that great tidbit. Give us a five-star rating, please. Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast is there for you as well should you choose to donate a dollar or two dollars to our cause and get early listens and other exclusive content from our show. Uh, all right, with all the plugging out of the way, Andy, guess what? It's summer. And uh, mm-hmm. because it's the summer and we're entering the dog days of summer and there's not much to talk about, we'll probably just keep recycling the same topic points and whatnot. I thought it would be cool to workshop a new segment, one that isn't so analytically heavy or mentally taxing in nature, but one that's just purely trivial and fun. And you get yeah. to be you get to be the first person that experiences this. So <laughs> All right. Um, I am so excited. <laughs> So tonight, I want to introduce a new segment on this show called Double Foul. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So Double Foul, I mean, it's a lot fancier than it sounds. It's it's really just, okay, first, a Double Foul in the NBA, as you all know, is probably the most useless call in basketball. And when it's called, no one wins, right? Two guys just end up getting an extra foul on their record, and everyone just leaves annoyed. So that's the essence of a Double Foul. And just like this game, which is essentially a Lakers version of Would You Rather, with two unappealing choices, nobody wins at the end of the day, but you're picking the what you would deem the best of two evils. Mm, the lesser. The lesser okay. of two evils. So, Andy, double foul, Lakers edition. Here we go. Would you rather... Paul George of the Los Angeles Clippers win MVP next season (laughs) or anything other than that (laughs) or the New Orleans Pelicans finish with a better record than the Los Angeles Lakers oh my god wow that is terrible (laughs) true to the word I know. I mean, do we do we know what the Lakers record is or the Pelicans record? So I'll say this: I give you the thesis statement, and you can build out the world from there with your own imagination. Okay. Well, assuming that um, assuming that Pelicans play to their potential, I would say Paul George win the MVP (laughs) is the lesser of the two evils. Wow. That means that we did not get a record of over 500. So we're below 500, I'm guessing. And that means Anthony Davis will walk out after his his contract (laughs) year. So, yes, I will go (laughs) with Paul George and um and hope that hope that we at least make it to the finals to or, you know, the playoffs to make some kind of run. Wow, I like uh the rationale and logic you put into that even though it hurts you to have to say that paul george after somehow getting a get out of jail free card from okc and coming to la you're you're allowing him to win mvp 
Um, but I understand because, like you said, if the Pelicans finish with a better record than us, it's very plausible that the Lakers may be an eighth seed or something. Um, <laughs> I'd say worse, but yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I still think... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm extremely salty with, with PG right now, but... Uh... For the the good of the team, I'm gonna I'm gonna suck up the the saltiness. And, no, and, for sure. No. <laughs> that, that is definitely for the good of a for good of the team play. I think for me, because I can build out the world in whatever way that I want to, I'm gonna say the New Orleans Pelicans get hot, get so streaky that somehow they end up as a number four seed. Just somehow, <laughs> the Lakers end up as let's say at worst a number five seed. And in my imagination, we get to play them in the first round of the playoffs. And let's say the reason why we got a number five seed is we took load management very seriously this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and LeBron James each have their fair share of nicks and bruises. Uh, nothing serious, but that lends to us not caring too much about home court advantage. And we get to face the New Orleans Pelicans in the first round, and hopefully from there our experience takes over and the New Orleans Pelicans Cinderella story falls apart. Because I do not want to have any part of Paul George on the Clippers <laughs> winning MVP. Uh, it's just, uh, that's the bitterest of all tastes. Like like you mentioned, anything but that. So I'll stay true to that statement. <laughs> and uh, somehow build out a world where the New Orleans Pelicans, and don't get me wrong, this, is also, this also really sucks because we're going to have to live with the ridicule of Lonzo Ball, Brandon yeah. Ingram. You know what I mean? <laughs> just just the storylines and the headlines leading into that, that playoff series or whatever, or leading into the playoffs in general, of the Lakers having traded their young core, gotten Anthony Davis, and still gotten below the New Orleans Pelicans who just assembled their team for the first time. That would be a bitter pill to swallow as well. But uh, I don't know, man. Paul George, ever since last year... When he didn't even give us a meeting, I can never forgive him for that and his flip-floppy nature. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, those are two terrible options. That's the nature of double foul. And, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. And uh, if you guys have your own opinions, please leave it in the rating interview section or comment on Twitter. We're hoping to make that more of a common staple for future episodes. But hope you guys had fun (laughs) with that, even though everybody comes away feeling sort of annoyed and yucky. But there you go. Double foul. All right, with that said, before I take it to our first break, some quick news. The Lakers recently hired assistant coach and player development coach Phil Handy. Uh, He's worked three years with the Cavs before and actually won a ring with them. Obviously worked with Kyrie and LeBron. He spent the last year with the Raptors and Kawhi and won yet another ring. So two rings in the last five years or four years. Really like that hiring by the Lakers Um, I think they're doing a good job in continuing to repair their public image by going after the best of the best in this business. They also tried to go after Warriors assistant coach Ron Adams. Uh, Ron Adams opted to stay with the Warriors, but the process and the or the thought process in going after a guy like Ron Adams, I really appreciate. And uh, Phil Handy is one of the best in player development. Uh, He should really help guys like Caruso, Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, and also Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis is still very young. And I think most of all, he should also just help the Lakers in their recruiting efforts in the future for uh, potential free agents and especially young up- up-and-coming ones. So A-plus for the Lakers on the Phil Handy hiring. With that out of the way, Andy, let's talk about Anthony Davis's official presser with the Lakers. 
his first statements as an official part of the Los Angeles Lakers. What were some tidbits, whether trivial or what you deem important for the upcoming season? What did you find most intriguing that you kind of picked up on? I think the the part where he kind of danced around the question of staying long term that was a bit concerning for me. <laughs> oh you were concerned <laughs> yeah um so you know i was kind of thinking you know why does he really want to play in la and i came to the conclusion i think it's just lebron that's his his only reason that you know the fact that he wants to team up with him um because I was thinking, well, hypothetically, what if LeBron wasn't here? Would and maybe we had, you know, another superstar, maybe PG thirteen or something. He ended up coming here, and we wanted to try to pair PG with, you know, that second star in Davis. Would Anthony Davis come to LA? But I was thinking probably not because. His sole purpose really is just to play with LeBron. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that whole clutch sports connection, even though he says that he's trying to kind of write his own destiny, I feel as though, I don't know, it, it it didn't seem right that he just wanted to come play in L.A. for the sake of playing in L.A. I feel like his, mm-hmm. his reasons were outside of that. And so... I think really we need to have a great showing this year or else he will walk away because I don't think anything is really tying him here. It's not like, you know, his hometown is here or he even, I mean, he lives here during the summer. I think that's what he said, but mm-hmm. I think he can still play and, and um, do fine anywhere else, um, you know following another superstar so that was most concerning to me and and hopefully like I said we do do well and he somehow stays and and extends his contract with us wow this got dark really quickly I didn't know (laughs) so Anthony Davis is I think he's from Chicago right um but I guess to your point that he may just be tagging along LeBron James and riding his coattails If you're certain that LeBron James isn't going to leave, shouldn't that also tie in with your confidence that Anthony Davis is staying? Because in my opinion, I don't think, I think this is the last stop for LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Unless, I mean, okay, hypothetically, what if we don't make the playoffs again? Is LeBron really going to waste his final year or two here? Or do you think he can maybe go back to Cleveland and, or somewhere in the East Coast where it's a lot easier and compete for one final run. No, I think he'll still stay here. He, you remember that Rich Paul comment where he's like assessing all the different options for LeBron and he's like, what if we lose 10 games in a row? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be happy staying in Philly? Or are you going to be happy in Cleveland? He's like, you're going to be happy still in Los Angeles if you lose 10 in a row. <laughs> so knowing that that's Clutch's yeah. mindset for LeBron, I think we're okay. I'm not going to say that 100% Anthony Davis is in the bag, but I'm also not going to go the Dwight Howard direction. If things fall apart and we have the worst case scenario, Anthony Davis is likely to leave just because I think there's also logistical things to take into account with how many teams have cap space next year. I'm sure people would want to trade for Anthony Davis, but he's going to be a free agent, right? So I'm sure teams would 
move contracts around to free up max cap space, but I, I feel like it's too complicated and it would really have to be like LeBron James and Anthony Davis get into like the worst fight ever. <laughs> Anthony Davis leaves clutch. I think that's when things start to get heated, right? And you know stuff mm-hmm. is brewing if Anthony Davis decides to switch agencies. So, I mean, that that could happen, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but, I mean, that's like the worst of the worst. And I think if all things stay the same, Anthony Davis stays with Clutch, LeBron James has no plans of leaving, even if we finish below the New Orleans Pelicans, I think they'll find enough qualifiers to chalk the bad year up to something. Uh, obviously, that would not be... That would not be an ideal scenario, but I, I'd have to think that Anthony Davis would still go the Paul George route and say unfinished business, even if it turns out sour. Um, yeah. But I agree with you that we do at least need to have some sort of great showing. Otherwise, everybody's just going to be pissed off at the end of the day. We're going to be pissed off with the media. Anthony Davis is not going to like everybody hammering him and all the ridicule, et cetera, et cetera. Um, with that said... I think for me, what I got, out, some tidbits that I got out of the Anthony Davis uh, interview were, one, he's a pretty funny guy, seems pretty charismatic, kind of surprising. He does tend to mumble his words a little bit. He has a very deep voice. But I like that he showed some of his personality, talked about how he's already playing around with the lineups and jersey looks on 2K. So he's like one of us, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like that he takes his movies very seriously. He doesn't like to pick up his phone or be interrupted in the middle of a movie. He, I think he said it twice, like he was watching a movie at home. He so, was watching a movie in the theater. Yeah. So what movie do you think he was watching? He said he was watching a sailor movie. A but sailor I don't... movie, right? <laughs> what, what does that even mean? So... I, when he said that comment, um, he was in a hotel, uh-huh. and he didn't name, didn't know how to pronounce the name of the hotel. So I looked it up because he said it was okay. a place close to Nobu, uh, in Malibu, um, and the hotel is a Japanese hotel. <laughs> okay, and it's like a, a really exclusive place where it only has sixteen rooms. Wow. And it kind of overlooks the ocean. I'm pretty sure that's the one that he's talking about. Okay. Um, what are you insinuating here? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just very confused because he lives, his house, I think, is in Westlake Village, which is 20, 30 minutes away from this hotel. Uh-huh. So why is he staying in this hotel? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me when you can drive 30 minutes to his house. Um... Are you saying that the Sailor movie is actually role-playing porno? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm saying he, maybe he's lying about this whole story. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe. Because it, it doesn't add up to me. I, I mean, know. I'll take him at his word. Say that he's watching a Sailor movie. Maybe he's watching anime and it's actually Sailor Moon. All I know is <laughs> he had another story where he talked about how he was in the theater and Rob Palenka during free agency kept hitting him up and saying, what do you think about this guy? What about this guy? <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, this guy really takes his movie seriously, as do I, an annual holder of the AMC movie pass. So uh, good on Anthony Davis. Um, I guess tied to that, one thing that I thought was surprising and that I appreciated was just how involved he was in the free agency process and how Palinka really looped him into every conversation they were having. It seemed like a very collaborative effort, and he definitely had his fingerprints on the roster, as did LeBron James. And, you know, contrast that to last year, 
I feel like Magic Johnson was doing a lot of the moves making and then getting permission from LeBron James after the fact. Now, it's mm. not always a great thing to, you know, right, these right, NBA right. stars are not always the best judgment of uh, talent evaluation. But I think in this sense, when you get got such important guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James and a guy like Anthony Davis, who's right smack dab in his prime, I think is it is important to get their insight and their preferences on certain players. So did that comment stand out to you at all? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to say the same thing. Um, but, you know, I think he was more involved probably because it was a the deal that they made, right? Because he waived his, his, uh, yes, what are you, million, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the agreement they had. Hey, I will waive this if you keep me involved and I get to approve all the moves. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but as you said, their players aren't normally the best judge of, you know, characters. That, that's why they're not GMs. You know, there's a person hired to do that. Um, but I think it kind of alleviates the pressure for uh, Rob this year because he's going to say, well, hey, I looked to the stars and they made these decisions. So is that really my <laughs> fault if we didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> but um, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if it was the best idea to get them all involved in, in, in the approval process, but I'm sure they appreciated it as players. Well, I mean, tying it back to your concerns about Anthony Davis potentially leaving, you know, mm-hmm. it's Rob Palinka getting in Anthony Davis's good graces early on and letting him know for sure you are the future of this franchise, you know? So I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, the other last two things that I thought were interesting were um, he reiterated again that he's not going to sugarcoat things. I don't like playing center. <laughs> uh, he wants to play power forward so maybe that's some foreshadowing at what's going to happen he did say that if coach wants me to play center i'll do it but i don't prefer doing it so maybe that hints at and we'll get to this later when we talk about rotations maybe that hints at demarcus Cousins starting alongside him javel mcgee starting we'll see how adamant a statement that is and how strongly he clings to that but uh did that concern you at all um not really. I think his comment is more geared towards defensively. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. want to bang. Right. But offensively, I I think he made that comment where it's kind of a positionless basketball day. So you kind of don't really, you know, you can make all kinds of different offensive sets just based on the players that you have on the floor. So defensively, I don't think he wants to compromise his body, um, which could be a concern because down the stretch if we don't um have him at that five then we're probably going to be stuck with you know demarcus or javel in the final couple minutes and uh i don't know if i don't know if you trust that lineup over you know some of the other smaller lineups and having him at the five yeah i'm hoping that statement just means for the majority of the game he prefers not to play five and start out as the five so once we go to that quote-unquote death lineup in the fourth quarter maybe that's when he's willing to accept playing that role for the last five minutes you know so i'm hoping that's where that statement comes from um yeah we'll just have to see i think because of that though and because we're trying to appease him and roll out the red carpet for him um, that we will likely, and this is already kind of foreshadowing what we're going to talk about later, we will likely see a guy like JaVale or DeMarcus alongside him, at least to start off with. Um, 
the last thing I thought was interesting, it's kind of funny, um, but I think it was on the Spectrum Sportsnet interview, he was asked, what do you think about joining LeBron's team? And he joked and was like, oh, I'm not joining LeBron's team. It's almost like he's joining my team with DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of true. I mean, it's like new age Pelicans, except add LeBron James, which I thought was hilarious. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I feel like that also may lend itself to foreshadowing what a potential starting lineup could look like. Yeah, I, because they had that you know, chemistry with their days in New Orleans, I think... And he probably, he was the one who really pushed for Cousins. I think that's probably where you're going to see them in the final couple minutes together on the floor. If, you know, they're both healthy at that time. But I don't know if if I'd put Cousins in there, depending on how how he's doing. I'd probably want Kuz, but again, he doesn't play defense either. So I don't know, we're kind of in a in a bind (laughs) yeah i mean we'll get into more of the details on that later but uh i'll leave the floor to you if you have anything else that stood out to you otherwise we can pitch it to our sponsors um the jersey the jersey number Mm -hmm. i think what 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 did you think about it the the choice jersey assurance is what i thought (laughs) um (laughs) the choice number three um it is a little weird i know a lot of people have brought up that it's weird for a lakers big man to have a single digit number uh, three and number 23 in LeBron. I think that's an LA area code, right? 323. Three. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's kind of cool, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting, number three, because you typically associate that with a point guard, particularly yeah. Chris Paul, so it's a little weird. Um, but what, what did you think about it? Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. I think it kind of tells you what his game looks like now, you know, playing more finesse rather than you know, down in the post. Um, wow, so, you're reading into this. <laughs> well, that's how, like you said, you know, those those single-digit players are usually, you know, smaller guys who are more geared towards, you know, handling the ball or shooting threes or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But kind of concerned me. I'm thinking, you know, maybe he's just going to be a spot-up shooter while LeBron creates all the, all the magic on the offensive end. But... Hopefully I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, don't worry. He'll be 23 uh, next year. So (laughs) Um, with that said, we'll leave it right there. Pitch it to our sponsors. When we return, we'll talk about the Lakers roster, how they stack up to the rest of the league, and give a grade on what we think of Lakers plan B and their new version of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging. So we'll pitch it to our sponsors first, and then we'll catch you guys after the turn. All right, Andy, we're back. Before we get into the Lakers plan B non kawaii moves of the offseason and what we think of the ro- potential rotations and lineups. I just wanted to ask you a general question with regards to, and we don't have to go too deeply into this, especially because it's still mid-July. <laughs> so we have a lot of time to talk about this as the season progresses. But what are your thoughts on where the Lakers stack up with the rest of the Western Conference first and then the rest of the league? If you had to name a top four or top five who do you think belongs in that top five along with the lakers um and uh yeah i guess just in general how do you think they stack up to the rest of the western conference well i'm i'm with ad you know he said he'll put his roster up against any other in the nba i think we're right up there um obviously with all the names you heard you know clippers you the jazz um Rockets are a bit iffy. Yeah, definitely the Nuggets. So we're we're top five, definitely. What do you think about the Warriors 
And, you know, the Rockets are iffy with Russell Westbrook and uh, James Harden. I was going to say Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you think about the Warriors? Do you think that they'll struggle just because Clay's going to be out for a good six months or so? And the Warriors, I think, out of all these teams, almost like the Lakers, they their identity has sort of shifted. The core of their identity with Curry, Draymond, and Clay, I guess, is still the same. But losing guys like Iguodala... Um, Sean Livingston, yeah. Jordan Bell. I mean, Kevin Durant, obviously. The core of who they have been the last few years, I think, has essentially been stripped away from them. Do you think they're going to struggle to kind of just be that five or six seed until Clay Thompson gets healthy? Wait, so you, who did they, in terms of role players, you know, aside um, from D'Angelo, who did they add? Willie Cauley-Stein. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which uh, is kind of we. I mean, they kept Kevon Looney. Someone else recently, I think, went there. God. But yeah, I think um, losing Iggy and Livingston, that definitely is going to change their whole, you know, the, the dynamic off the bench. It just seems so different not seeing those two, um, you know, come in to relieve the first unit. I don't think um, they'll be in the top four or five. They'll probably be seven or eight by the end of the season, um, but I I think we're all kind of overlooking Steph Curry's greatness right now. <laughs> yeah, and he'll probably you know show a lot of us his true skill. You know, being that number one guy again with KD gone. So I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I have a lot of Warriors friends, and, and they're kind of uh, silent this summer. <laughs> they don't really know <laughs> what to say. Um, but uh, I think, I, considering their their situation with all the injuries, I think they did an okay job during the offseason. Yeah, I think continuity obviously is going to be a big issue for them, but their core remains the same from the We Believe Warriors. Or not? I don't know if they were the, were they with the We Believe Warriors. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm kind of hoping D'Angelo Russell and Willie Cauley Stein drag them down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I love D'Angelo Russell. I wanted him to come to the Lakers in the off season, but those guys are wild cards, right? They're very erratic. Who knows? They could go one way or another with those guys. Um, so I'm interested yeah. in seeing how that plays out. I think. The Jazz retooled a lot, but at the same time, they're dealing with the same issues that a team like the Lakers and the Clippers are dealing with, where their rosters have been overhauled by about like at least 35 to 40%, right? So everybody in the Western Conference, outside of maybe the Nuggets, we're all dealing with continuity issues. So from that end, I kind of feel like it's a level playing field. You can't really use that against any one team because the Clippers are entirely different. Um like I mentioned, the Jazz have all these new players, Mike Conley, Boshan Bogdanovich, losing Derek Favors. The Nuggets may actually, you know, succeed really early on and maybe throughout the season just because they kind of kept the same roster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be a war of attrition. So whoever, as it usually is in the NBA, so whoever stays the healthiest, I think is going to wind up being at the top of that four to five team scrum. And whoever, again, is able to gel quicker um than those other teams who are also dealing with continuity issues so not sure if you have anything else to pitch in on the western conference topic no yeah i think you said it all um with the uh with the nuggets they definitely have an edge over everyone else just because of what you said but um 
it'll be fun seeing everyone kind of find their way uh, not only us as the Lakers but um, I'm really curious to see how uh, Russell Westbrook and Harden are gonna <laughs> try to get back to either playing to the way they used to play in 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 um, OKC or trying to develop a new game plan with D'Antoni so that'll be fun yeah so let's move it to the let's take a step back and look at the entire league as a whole are there any teams in the Eastern Conference who you think are could be better than the Lakers uh, right now for me I'd say obviously the Milwaukee Bucks with, with Giannis although they did lose Malcolm Brogdon an important piece on their team and obviously the Philadelphia 76ers who are dealing with continuity issues of their own switching out Jimmy Butler, losing J.J. Redick, and getting in Josh Richardson and Al Horford. Um, I think those are the two teams that may potentially be better than the Lakers, um, but I don't know if uh, you agree or if you have any other uh, teams to toss in there. Yeah, I don't think Boston is better than us. Um, that could just be me being biased. No, but. Yeah, I don't, no I, they got Ennis Cantor guarding their <laughs> yeah. interior, so I think we're okay. Um, I I don't think the the wizard or not the of course the wizards I don't think <laughs> I don't think the Sixers are better than us I think it's just Milwaukee so okay. what, once we get out the West it's, it's uh, easy sailing <laughs> the one thing I'll say about the Sixers though is out of all the teams in the league they may be the one team that can actually defend us pretty well because you know our big advantage this year is the interior and having guys like. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, DeMarcus Cousins, and then another look in JaVale McGee to go up against um, the rest of the league who, for the most part, is going small. But the Sixers mm-hmm. have Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Al Horford. Yeah. So I think potentially they may be able to match up pretty well against us, but they lack a lot of shooting, so that may be their downfall at the end of the day. And the Lakers... They're not lacking in shooting this year somehow. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. The Bucks and the Sixers may be the only teams out east who I maybe project potentially to get a better record than the Lakers. But, but yeah, for now, the Lakers are just in this scrum amongst the Clippers, Jazz, Nuggets, maybe the Rockets, maybe the Blazers. We'll have to see how Dallas does with uh, the Eurocorns in Porzingis and uh, Luka. Um <laughs> We'll see how the Spurs bounce back, but uh, but yeah, I think the Lakers are anywhere from, you know, one to five. There, uh, we'll just see how they load manage throughout the season. But you know, if you know, ESPN is always going to put the Lakers last in those rankings. Uh-huh. Just be happy in the fact that they are one of the top five best teams in the Western Conference. You already know we're going to land at fifth anytime ESPN brings out the rankings because they want the ratings. Um, uh-huh. And you know, honestly, after the season we had last year, where everything went wrong. I'm okay to take a step back and just be like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, All right. With that said, let's talk about the roster and the Lakers um, non-Kawhi plan B pivot. Andy, what are your thoughts, especially in contrast to what we did last year after we signed LeBron James, when we were like, oh, we got LeBron James. Here we go. Smart moves and money ball plays are are about to come rolling in and then we're like wait we just signed who lance stevenson what michael beasley rajon rondo (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot different this year some were similar but uh what are your what what are your thoughts on the lakers pivot plan not getting Kawhi, which was obviously a gut punch but what are your thoughts on how they responded and then also what grade would you give their offseason i think uh, i think we actually did very well considering you know what we were left with so obviously, 
It's actually kind of a lot like last summer where we hit this high where we signed the, the superstar LeBron James last year. AD with trade this year. And then we hit the low when we couldn't get that other superstar. PG last year, Kawhi this year. And like you said, the difference from this year to last year is just that end part where we signed a whole bunch of weirdos last year and didn't work <laughs> out. But this year... And I, I guess we could have said this last year too, but this year it seems better. Um, and it looked as though, you know, we could have fell into that same trap as we did last year and, and maybe do some weird things, right? But it, it seems as though, and we kind of talked about this earlier, we got that approval from the two stars that, uh, that these people would work playing together alongside them. So, in terms of an overall grade, with all things considered, probably an A minus, B plus. You can't go anywhere lower than a B because of the AD trade. Um, right. But if you consider the Kawhi failure, you have to bring it down a bit. But then you kind of, you know, push it back up with the, the signings of the other of the other guys. So B plus, A minus for me. I don't know. What do you think? No, yeah, I have B plus and A minus written down here, especially if you consider that you know for sure that they had this planned out in the event that Kawhi Leonard left them at the altar because Danny Green signed immediately after. And I'm sure that part of their contingency plan was to contact all of the players that they ended up signing. Maybe not all of them because Quinn Cook got let out of, or what, Quinn Cook got his rights renounced. But for the most part, I think all the guys you see they signed, they probably told them, hey, here's our plan. We're either going to get Kawhi or not get Kawhi. In both situations, we have a plan for you. We're going to either give you a veteran minimum contract or we can give you a slight pay bump for waiting this out with us, you know? And I think that's what you saw. Danny Green got a $15 million contract right off the bat. KCP, richer than what we had thought, but that's what you get for, one, him being clutch, but also he was probably the best, like, shooting guard, like, wing left on the market. I know we hate KCP, but that's kind of objective <laughs> fact right and if you're telling him can you wait out the market for us you know probably add three three million on top of that they pay, paid a price for having these guys wait right because i'm sure these guys had other suitors um going after them and they chose to you know shun them and say look i'm waiting for the lakers they've promised me a contract with or without Kawhi." and i think that's what ended up happening but you have to give them props for even thinking that far ahead and lining up these contingency plans yeah, for me, even the guys that people are annoyed by, you know, retaining KCP and Rondo and even JaVale, like just looking at it objectively, and let's not look at the dollar amount, out of all those three guys, I think the one guy who deserved to get a pay bump last season, who 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 would it be? Hmm. <laughs> ba- based off of his play. KCP? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it would be JaVale, right? He had a career year. I think at some point before his pneumonia, he was... Averaging no, a yeah. double double with like three blocks, right? And you <laughs> yeah. and you even had him on your fantasy team, right? So out of all the three guys that deserved a pay bump, it would be JaVale McGee. And yeah. he got that he got that pay bump. He was only making the minimum last year, which is like two million, and we gave him a pay bump of another million and a half to two million, four million dollars for the next two years. So he got a pay bump, deservedly so. Mm-hmm. The other two guys, do you think they deserve a pay bump? KCP and Rondo. No. I mean, come on now. <laughs> well, well, Andy, guess what? No, both of those guys got a pay cut. 
<laughs> now yeah. you may argue that KCP never should have been making the contract he was making in the first place, which is fair, but he did get a pay cut from $12 million to $8 million. Um, and Rajan Rondo last year was making a ridiculous $9 million. We have him making a veteran minimum contract now at $2 million. So no matter how much you hate KCP, no matter how much you hate Rondo, they got the pay cuts they deserved, you know? And they're going to yeah. play a role on this team. So even from that standpoint, it's like out of the three stooges that we re- retained, the one guy who deserved the pay bump got it. The two other guys who deserved the pay cuts also got their pay cuts. And now they're playing at a more respectable and palatable price. So even on that end, good job Lakers or solid job at the very least. Um, and like I mentioned, KCP clutch connection, clutch tax also pl- probably plays into the fact that AD waived his trade kicker. If they want to keep money in the family, that's one way of doing it. Um, and then Rajon Rondo is again, loved by all his teammates and by the guys who matter most AD LeBron DMC. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not, I can't even gripe too much about that. So for you, what, particularly did you like about the way that the Lakers pivoted and some of the guys that they got as opposed to what happened last year where obviously the MO of Magic Johnson in the front office was we're going to zig while the rest of the league is zagging. We're not going to get shooters. We're going to get playmakers. So what did you like this year? Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on it that where they, you know, got the approval from uh, from both the superstars and it was good to see that they had, and you said it, you know, an immediate plan. Right after the Kawhi deal, you saw all the dominoes fall. And it seemed as though, you know, they had, you know, pretty detailed conversations with all these guys prior to Kawhi's decision. And right when, you know, it happened, everything kind of just fell in place. So, it, it tells you kind of the commitment that they, they these players had beforehand going into it, um, you know, playing with the, the potential two superstars and just that, I guess, the buy-in to what the team's going to look like in the future, um, you know, pre-Kawhi, post-Kawhi, whatatever it may be. But uh, it, was, it was pretty good, pretty impressive to see the plan kind of fall in place i think um right when we signed dan danny green that was kind of the okay let's get this started and then obviously cousins and and um you know bradley kind of just shored things up for us yeah stylistically what do you think the guys that we signed bring that obviously the shooting aspect of things, but how do you think it changes the DNA of our team? Anthony Davis does that all by himself, but as a, opposed to what we did last year, what do you like that fundamentally changes our team for this year with regards to the skill, like the tangible skill sets that all these guys bring in as a sum of their parts? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't see too many, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't see too many Pelicans games when it was Rondo, uh, DMC and AD together and it was two years ago so all of them are kind of a step slower or maybe not AD but definitely Rondo and, and uh, DMC and so um, in terms of where the ball is in the hands of it's obviously LeBron but when he's not in the game you know what does that look like so I'm thinking Kuz is, is handling the ball a lot 
because um, you know as, as you said we have a lot of shooters but maybe not the best playmakers so you're looking at Rondo Kuz and Caruso. I guess <laughs> yeah so kind of limited in, 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 those, in those options but um, glad to see that we have a lot more shooters than we did last year yeah I think the Lakers course corrected or over course corrected from what they did last yeah. year right where it was all playmakers no shooters but I think when it comes to shooting in the NBA where the main purpose is to put the ball in the basket I don't even think there's such a thing as over course correcting or swinging too much the other way right when it comes to shooting it's it's only going too far that way if you get one-dimensional shooters which yeah. I don't think the Lakers did the only one-dimensional shooter that I can think of is Troy Daniels, right? Yeah. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't really dribble uh-huh. the ball. He only shoots and can get hot. Even a guy like Jared Dudley, he plays solid defense, right? He even played some small ball four last year, maybe yep. some small ball five. So even though he may be one-dimensional offensively, he at least can also bring you some solid defense as well. Danny Green, he plays defense on the other end. I think in terms of the analytics, he's one of the best, if not the best, <laughs> defender at the a shooting guard position. And then a guy like Avery Bradley, look, he had his bumps and bruises last year, did not play well with the Clippers, showed some flashes with the Memphis Grizzlies. I know he was also on your fantasy team, so you benefited from that. Um, If he can even regain just 60% of who he once was with the Boston Celtics or even the Detroit Pistons, he's a guy who can shoot off the dribble a little. He's a scorer. I mean, he used to average 15, 16 points. Uh, He's not just a one-dimensional shooter, even though he is a career 38% three-point shooter so I like even though we went or we we swung far far left to the shooting aspect of things that we still got guys who can contribute in other areas whether it's defensively or they can also handle the rock a little so I'm glad that the Lakers over course corrected with the shooting they may not have the best primary initiating and ball handling guards but I think this year we're going to see a point guard slash ball handler by committee you know what I mean? So it's going to be, we're going to patch it up with Rondo's in, Caruso's in, Avery Bradley can handle the ball a little, Quinn Cook can handle the ball a little. Um, none of these guys are premier playmakers, but we're going to leave that up to LeBron and some of the bigs to do the playmaking from the post. DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. But in a pinch, guys like Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Caruso, they can all run a simple pick and roll read, right? And then also they'll kill you if you go under the screen. So I'm glad that we can at least do a point guard by committee approach this season and all these guys can shoot. And in terms of shooting, I pulled up all the all of our shooters career numbers. Um, and mm-hmm. so for seasons where at least 1.43s were made, here are the Lakers non LeBron James, non Anthony Davis um, players best three point shooting seasons by percentage uh, by makes and percentage. So at the top of this list is Troy Daniels, 1.4 makes. He shot 48% during this season. This is his highest season. (laughs) Jared Dudley, 1.5 makes, 46% from three. Danny Green, just last year, 2.5 makes from three, 45% from three. Wow. Quinn Cook, I think this was three years ago, 1.4 threes made, 44% from three. Avery Bradley, I think this was when he was with the Boston Celtics, so a little further out. He hit two threes a game, 39% from three. Even KCP, two years ago, his first year as a Laker, he hit two threes a game and shot 38% from three. 
DeMarcus Cousins. I think this was when he was with the Pelicans. He made two threes a game, believe it or not, and shot 37% from three. Kyle Kuzma. He only shot 30% last year, but if you remember his rookie season, he hit, he hit two threes a game and shot 37% from three. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who shot 37% or better from three in their, obviously this is their career season, career percentage season, but you'd imagine with a guy like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if they don't get the hiccups, they should be able to approximate something similar to that. And given what we witnessed last year, if we even get like three percentage points off of all of these career numbers, I'd be very happy, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we we talk about all the, the offense, and I think that's kind of where our conversation was last year. Um, it's It's really the defense, though. You know, all these guys who can shoot the ball, can they make a stop on the other end? And we said, you know, Danny Green can play that, that D on, on the on the two guard spot. Um, we're hoping AD again can be that defensive help, I guess, because he doesn't want to be the banger. Um, but you know, out of all those shooters that you listed, who's going to make those key stops in the end of the game? Yeah. So I think with regards to defense, obviously the Clippers far trump us and outweigh us on perimeter defense because they have Pat Bev, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I think the Lakers are banking on, obviously, Avery Bradley regaining some of his form because when he does regain his form, Avery Bradley is a pesky, energetic, and physical defender. Um, not the best off-ball team defender, but I actually think um, Anthony Davis and our interior will shore that up for him so he'll be able to continue to man up on guys and press up against their bodies like he likes to do. Because Avery Bradley plays like you know, in 2K when we do the full court trap. He plays that type of defense for yeah. the most part all the time. And so he, he can do that. He has the luxury to do that on this type of team. And he just needs to stay healthy. So I think it's really going to fall on Caruso if he can, you know, resemble what he did the second half of the season because he was a very solid um, defender. And he is 6'5", so good length. It's going to fall on Caruso, Avery Bradley, and Danny Green to be our perimeter defense, as well as KCP. Because say what you want about KCP, he's annoying, bad shot selection, not the best team defender, but he's kind of like Avery Bradley, right? Where he, he at yeah. least shows some effort out there, and he knows how to use his length. So I actually don't think our perimeter defense is that bad, especially if we know that these guys can always funnel guys to the baseline and have Anthony Davis there to trap them. So I think just an elevated level of defense will help this team, like LeBron James just getting more amped to play defense because he knows Anthony Davis is there. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins last year, even though he was banged up, actually fared pretty well analytically when it comes to defending. And at the very worst, DeMarcus Cousins is a guy who, you just look at that guy and do you really want to drive it into the paint and yeah. like bang with that dude? And obviously, JaVale McGee, I mean, that guy averaged like three blocks, right? He's not the best fundamental defender because he jumps at everything. But even when he gets beat, his long arms will sort of uh, make up for his yeah. lazy feet. So, I mean... You need him in spurts. Yeah, exactly. So, I think the perimeter defense, it's not the best. It's not optimal. But I don't think it's like bottom of the league bad you know i think at the very worst we're like middle of the pack perimeter defense wise and i think we're gaining a lot on the interior with guys like javel mcgee anthony davis and demarcus cousins and then even throw in uh lebron james and kuzma um opting in more or buying in more on the defensive end so i like the length and the looks that we can put out there what about you yeah, yeah. i mean uh... 
I think that's kind of where we we improved a lot with the the free agency signings from last year, and that's probably where we learned our lesson. You know, with with guys who can do stuff offensively, maybe sometimes, but you know, we're really defensive liability. So the length should help us a lot, especially if um, you know we're playing a lot of small ball, but it wears on you, you know, over the course of the season. And we saw that last year, people just start getting injured if we're playing too small. And, you know, we really need those bigger bodies in the end um, to, to step up and kind of shore up the defense. So hopefully Cousins can, can come in and, and be that anchor for the defense. Yeah, I mean, last year we were talking about how it might have to be center by committee. <laughs> you know, yeah. have LeBron James or Kuzma play five. It's like such a breath of fresh air this year to yeah. have AD, JaVale, DeMarcus Cousins already set there. And this year it's point guard by committee, but it looks like we got a bunch of guys to help in that respect because it's Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso, uh, Quinn Cook. It's like all these guys are capable of handling the ball, you know? Yeah. And at the very least, they play the... Mario Chalmers, Mo Williams role for LeBron, right? So, um, and then to go back to the length thing of our big men, I don't know if you knew this or not, but DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee, they all have seven foot six wingspans. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) They got a long, if they just like extend their arms out, all three of them, obviously they're never all going to be on the court at the same time. If they are, something went wrong. (laughs) But I mean... That is a long and imposing and enforcing big man lineup out there that you can kind of rotate and stagger. I just like that we can give teams different looks, you know? JaVale yeah. McGee is obviously that guy who's just the energetic pogo stick, you know, quick roll guy, catch lobs. Um, and then DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis are obviously the more versatile new era big men that LeBron James can play with. And I, I, I'm pretty excited about our interior this year. And I think us signing guys like DMC, trading for AD, and re-signing JaVale, it's another sort of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging because, like I mentioned earlier, the rest of the league is going small, right? Everyone is just getting these stretch five, stretch four big men, and I feel like the Lakers went big. So I think that's the Lakers' version of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging this year, except I think they're zigging in the right way. Like I mentioned before, they're overcorrecting with the with the surplus of shooting around them, but also they're getting big men. But it's not just big men in the traditional sense, because if I told you, guess what? The Lakers are zigging. They're, they're building up a big team with lots of big men. You'd probably be like, uh-oh, I don't know if that's the right <laughs> thing to do, because immediately you go to traditional big men, right? Where it's like, wait, did we just stack our team with Steven Adams, Clint Capella, and Rudy Gobert? <laughs> And those guys are guys who also got ran out of the playoffs, right? They weren't playing clutch time minutes because they were liabilities. I think what I like about the the way the big men that we got and the way that we zigged big-wise is that we got versatile big men who can play in the new NBA. And JaVale McGee still gives you that, you know, lob threat vertical guy who can't shoot, but he can roll, and he can at least sprint up and down the floor. So what are your thoughts on that and just the compilation of bigs that we now have at our disposal? Yeah, I mean, I, I remember when New Orleans a couple of years ago got those two together and everyone was kind of wondering, well, how is this going to work? And they proved that they could play together. So if they can get, you know, that same chemistry going, 
where they they made it out of the first round. You add in someone like LeBron, who's equally lengthy. Um, I think we can really, really make a great playoff push if ever, everything goes to plan. Yep, I agree. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out about this year's team that I love is the depth. Last year on opening night, here were roster spots number 11 through 13. You had Zubats, Svima Kailu, and Isaac Bonga. No joke. Those, those were active players on our roster. This year, depending on who you think won't get the most play, play, playing time to start off with at the guard spot, your 11th guy could be Quinn Cook, Rajon Rondo, or Alex Caruso. And then number 12 could be Jared Dudley. Number 13 could be Troy Daniels, who at the very least you know has hit some big shots in the playoffs. So in terms of the depth alone, I just like that I like that our redundancy comes in in um, roles and spots that you can never be short of. Like, someone gets injured, okay, bring in another ball handling shooter that can come in and replace that guy. You know, so your thoughts on the the new newfound depth that we had, even with you know just minimum contracts and such. Yeah, it, it is a lot different from last year. I mean, you have guys who you actually know and you've heard of (laughs) (laughs) so um definitely a a plus up from last year i think and we kind of touched on this earlier the 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 question mark is with the depth who can handle the ball and you know just through the course of this this conversation that we're having it, it occurred to me that i feel as though ad wants to be kind of a primary ball handler when uh when LeBron is 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 out I I don't know if that's gonna work (laughs) because maybe he's thinking I'll surround myself with shooters and I'll play the 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 point four and try to create everyone's shot uh you know like Giannis (laughs) (laughs) I think so so maybe he has this um you know this vision in mind of this year him being more of a playmaker um but yeah I think I think the depth definitely is there uh excited to see guys as i said that i kind of have an understanding of already (laughs) yeah and you know that they can they've shown something in playoff situations as well um i think to your point about what this team will look like stylistically on the court obviously i don't think we're going to be running up and zipping up and down like we were last year where it's yeah, like no frenetic and chaotic i think we're going to be very judicious and opportunistic when it comes to running out because we do have some athletic guys kuzma anthony davis lebron james still likes to leak out javel mcgee um i think rajon rondo when he was with the pelicans during their playoff push he actually pushed the pace faster for the pelicans and that actually helped them so i think we will selectively be an up and up and down sort of team and i think we'll be more efficient at it than we were last year where even though we were whizzing up and down we're just like it was a mess you know turning balls over not being able to finish i think this year we're going to be able to finish um and finish emphatically um the other thing that i like is half court wise it might be clunky it might be very pick and roll heavy but we've got the spacing now to help mitigate that and at the very least, we have a guy in Anthony Davis who, you know, last year, whether it was either LeBron or B.I., right? When the shot mm-hmm. clock was running down, we're like, play's broken. Just give that guy the ball. This year, mm-hmm. it's like, give it to Anthony Davis on the pinch post and let him go to work. Like, that for most teams is option number one. 
Yeah. So for me, the fact that that is option number two or even option number three is amazing. Option number one is LeBron James at the top running a pick and roll, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but the fact that option number two is Anthony Davis, and even when LeBron is out, maybe Anthony Davis is not playing point forward, but let's just say he's playing the role of Shaq, but a, a, but a more versatile Shaq, and you know, just sucking in the defense by posting up. Because he's got a quick first step, he's got a great pump fake and then drive, but he can draw the defense in that way and then pitch it out to any one of our number of shooters this year. So just in terms of our half-court offense, it should be much, much better than last year, even if we don't have a playbook like we didn't have a playbook last year. What, do you th- what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's going to look, you know, complete 180 from last year. And just thinking about the one-two punch that we have, it's going to be interesting how we kind of incorporate them into the offensive half-court set. Um, just randomly, the other day I was watching some clips of the 2008 Beijing Olympic final game, <laughs> nice. USA against Spain. And Kobe game. Kobe game. And um, I was kind of looking at LeBron and how he was playing and it was interesting because I don't I don't I don't remember really seeing him set too many screens last year. Do you? Not like setting a lot. screens for people at the the top of the key. Like who would he be setting it for? <laughs> like Brandon right. Ingram probably. Exactly. Yeah. So so during the 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 gold medal game that I was watching, he was setting. It was like the, the, the number one offensive set where he'd be in the kind of like that elbow, you know, free throw area. And then he'd come set a pick for someone at the top of the mm-hmm. key. And so I'm kind of envisioning this year, maybe he and AD could kind of run that together, that pick and roll. Because you, you'll obviously the, the one you'll see is AD sending a pick for LeBron. But what mm-hmm. I want to see is the other way around and how that could, you know, lead to maybe better offensive looks for, you know, for other guys or, you know, how that plays out in terms of pick and rolls, but it'll put Davis in a spot that I don't think he's been in, um, you know, too much of his career. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's insane to even just envision and think about one other point that I wanted to bring up that it's kind of lost in the thick of things. Sorry for jumping around everywhere, but Tying it back to the depth, I like that now guys like KCP, JaVale, and Rondo are now in their rightful roles, whereas last year we were counting on them for like, you know, 25 minutes almost. They were like (laughs) guys that we really needed, sadly enough, and they were paid like we needed them. This year it's like, I'm actually excited about JaVale now because he's only going to play, what, 18 minutes? But he can do what he did last year and block the hell out of people you know, sky for these ridiculous lobs. And I was watching his highlights again and I was like, this guy's amazing. (laughs) But in spurts, he is amazing, right? It's just when you have him play, you have him play for 25 minutes and then like the Shaq and the Fool stuff comes out and the bad defense comes out and you're like, man, this guy's decision-making. It's kind of like KCP. But you limit their roles, you limit their minutes and for that good 10 to 15 minute spurt, they can kind of go crazy (laughs) in all they want to and hopefully provide you with more of that good energy as opposed to the bad detrimental energy. So even Rajon Rondo, I'm not too annoyed by, and you've been talking about ball handling and playmaking. He does, he does that 
in spades. I mean, that might be the only thing he can do left, you know, just dribble the hell out of the ball and find people. Um, okay. Lastly, to close the show, Andy, which new guy are you most excited about that the Lakers have brought in? Uh, that's a tough one. Obviously the, the easy answer is AD, but. Oh yeah. I mean, non AD <laughs> okay. free agency. Yeah. The, the one I have, the biggest question mark is Avery Bradley. So I only really remember him when he was good, like two <laughs> years ago. Sure. And, you know, that was the guy who was kind of the, you could put him on any guard and he could stop that guy or at least, you know, give him some problems. Um, and then he, he wasn't an offensive liability because he could, he was opportunistic, you know, he could slash or shoot um, mm-hmm. wherever he could find a spot. And I don't know, you know, the injury or maybe the teams that he played with, what went wrong. But I I was reading some comments from, I don't know where, about Clippers fans thinking, oh, you know, we're so glad that uh, (laughs) Avery's gone. And I'm thinking, well, it must have been that bad, you know. Yeah. If, if, um, all of Clipper Nation was like, oh, thank God he's gone. And so I don't know if I'm walking into a trap with this guy or what, but I think he, if, if, if he's anything close to what I'm envisioning him to be, he was like the perfect guy, the perfect off-season signing to play with, you know, someone like LeBron if he's playing a point, point forward and, you know, um, AD as well. So... Everything goes to plan. He plays to his potential or at least a resemblance of what he was in Boston. I think he'll probably be the best offseason signing. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I I do share your same concerns because everything I've heard from people who are Clippers fans are like, good riddance. Good luck with that guy. (laughs) And, you know, to be fair, though, if you look at his career, taking into account Detroit, his one year stint with Detroit and, you know, his 14 games with Memphis, it's really just the Clippers where he bottomed out. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I know Memphis is a small sample size, but for 14 games, he averaged 16 points, four assists, one steal on 38% shooting from three, hitting two a game and 46% shooting. So to me, the anomaly is really his stint with the Clippers. Now, obviously, that's more recent and he's racked up his injuries more recently. But maybe you also just say that it was a stylistic thing the Clippers did have a lot of guards maybe he was never comfortable in that role and maybe he was just working his way back I mean that's at least what I'm hoping for and maybe we can just split the difference between his stint with the Memphis Grizzlies and his stint with the Clippers and maybe what he is now is just a 12 point you know two assist sort of guy who's hitting 35 percent from three and 42 percent from the field I'm fine with that you know if he can just bring his energetic physical defense and just annoy ball handlers. I mean, that's really all I need. Um, So, yeah, I'm also excited by Avery Bradley, but as you know, who do you think my favorite acquisition is? I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Say it. No. Well, I mean, they're they're all exciting. I mean... Well, for free agency, just think hard about who I would be most excited about, given... I could make a case for everyone for you. Okay, well, just give, give me your best guess right now. One one answer. Podcast Green Room. No, 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 no. <laughs> my my big. I mean, I I love Danny Green for sure, but I mean Boogie. 
Boogie Cousins is I'm oh, so excited about this well, guy. I mean that's yeah yeah okay okay I'm sorry, I mean look so Demarcus Cousins bounce back year I mean for me would you agree this is a weird parallel but would you agree that Anthony Davis is like the big man version of Kawhi Leonard in terms of they're both methodical both fundamental they're really not lacking in anything right I mean if you're looking at Cousins from when you know pre Achilles yeah sure I don't know I'm talking about Anthony Davis I'm not talking about Demarcus yet Oh, like, oh, oh. would oh, you yeah, say yeah. Anthony Davis is the Kawhi Leonard of big men? Yes. So DeMarcus Cousins, for me, <laughs> pre-injury, was kind of like the big man version of James Harden, where he was sneaky athletic, not all that athletic, but he kind of had to use <laughs> okay. his skill to kind of get his buckets, could still um, pass the ball like all hell, but he was also kind of kind of erratic, right? Lots of turnovers, um, sometimes not even fun to watch play. But he could score the hell out of the ball. He could pass and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was my James or my big man version of James Harden. Now with his Achilles injury and all that, he's kind of like more like the big man version of uh, Lance Stevenson. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you can see where I'm going with that, right? Kind of wild, kind of crazy. But but actually, even with his injuries, couldn't you see Boogie as like a very poor man's version if he's able to stay healthy of Poor man's version of Nikola Jokic. Not, <laughs> not athletic, maybe not as efficient, but still uses his passing skills, mm-hmm. still can beat people up in the post, still can score, is versatile like Nikola Jokic. Maybe that's too much of a reach, but I'm calling it a homeless man's version of Jokic. <laughs> they both don't rely on athleticism. And if, you're, if you don't like the Jokic comp, could you see DeMarcus Cousins as a better, more versatile version of Zach Randolph? Well, yeah, I guess so. Right? That's a high-level contributor. Yeah, I think the key thing you said is is the pass, the passing, the vision aspect. You know, you don't lose that with injury. So that's definitely, yep. you know, crucial to success. Yep, and I think the best part is he knows how to play with Anthony Davis. And when they were on the court together with the Pelicans, with Rondo off the court, they actually played very well together. So I think that's encouraging. And DeMarcus Cousins has always looked up to LeBron James, and I'm very excited to see how LeBron James even utilizes a guy like DeMarcus Cousins as well. And hopefully we're going to get the best version of DeMarcus Cousins coming out of his Achilles injury. The Warriors, unfortunately, got the worst version because, I mean, the Achilles injury is like at least a year injury to come back from or recover Mm -hmm. from, right? So hopefully we'll get the tail end best version of that. So, yeah, um... We've gone on super long. Andy, thanks for hopping on uh, to talk Lakers and the roster. I'm sure we've got much more to talk about as we head into next season and training camp and whatnot. But uh, yeah, let's close this out. Give me your final thoughts on anything you want to say. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's not a Laker, but in terms of a rebounding effort and zigging in a new way, I am very encouraged and actually quite intrigued by this roster uh, last year, I was doing a lot of mental gymnastics to get myself hyped for Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley. But this year, it's it's more like, no, you know, the first try, I'm like, okay, I can get on board with this. What about you? Yeah, I'm I'm so on the same page. I think this year, it's, it's less of a stretch to imagine us, you know, getting somewhere, making a deep playoff push. Um, the two stars aligning, that's so big for us you know we've been thinking about this forever the fact that um you know Kawhi didn't choose us I'm not really that disappointed still more salty about uh 
PG. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I but agree with you. It'll be good with the the balance of powers, I guess, make for a more interesting season. Um, but yeah, as you said, super excited. A lot more to talk about. The conversation goes on forever. It does, and uh, Chris Paul next. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no Chris Paul for the Lakers. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it right there. Um, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes. Uh, Andy, thanks again for hopping on. And uh, thank you, McDonald's chicken biscuits. Mm-hmm. There you go, chicken biscuits for the Lakers as well this year. Actually, no. Taco Tuesday. Let's go Taco Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Andy. We'll catch you later. Talk to you later. Yep. Peace. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.